steps into it, pass is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! To the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, well, first and foremost, we're back from a couple week hiatus here. And uh, the Vikings decided to welcome us back by bringing us uh, plenty of good news and interesting news as well. Um, if you've been on Twitter or if you checked ESPN recently, you probably are aware that Daniil Hunter is officially locked down for at least another year. Uh, the Vikings resolved their issues, uh, the contract issues, I suppose, that were kind of circling throughout the offseason with their star defensive end. So we'll talk a little bit about that and what that means. Um, in other news, Sheldon Richardson might be coming back to Minnesota mm-hmm. as well. Uh, this is currently circulating as we're recording as of 4.30 p.m. Central time on June 14th. So uh, we'll speculate on that a little bit, talk about the diff- you know, difference that he could make coming back to Minnesota. Um, and there's a couple things that we want to catch up on as well. Uh, like I said, we haven't talked to you guys in a couple of weeks. Rashad Freeland signed at cornerback. Uh, that's obviously a, you know, a staple that'll make a difference in the Vikings secondary. Uh, so we'll catch up on some other things like that, and that should round us out here in a quick 30. So that's the game plan for today. Uh, let's get her started here. So – uh, Daniil Hunter, first place and first and foremost, uh, you know, of course, this has been a hot topic this entire summer. Uh, it's been a source of anxiety and angst from Vikings fans in general. Uh, I think that it's been a little bit dramatic to some extent, but uh, when you're talking about arguably the best player on your entire roster, I kind of understand the, the dramatics with uh, yeah. Vikings fans and the concern that um, us and you guys alike have had uh, about the situation. Uh, the good news is that there's a pretty you know, stiff conclusion here. Uh, we know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, we have a pretty good idea of what the future holds for Daniil Hunter as well. Uh, but essentially speaking, uh, Daniil Hunter will be in purple, not just for practice this summer, uh, but for sure for the games starting in 2021. Um, and the Vikings will have the opportunity to kind of evaluate the situation after that. So, Drew, kind of looking at uh, the situation as it stands today, uh, what are your thoughts on the new, I guess, I don't want to say a new contract because it's kind of just like a it's a it's a they're moving money around essentially yeah. is what they're doing. Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of the way the Vikings handled the situation? Well, I think it's exactly what both sides wanted. Um, so essentially, what happened is they turned whatever was left of Daniel Hunter's deal, in a way, into a one-year contract um, for this year. Um, it's it's it kind of gives the Vikings an out where you know there were are, there were legitimate concerns about his neck injury and still are um, about. Right. You know, the neck is a is a spot where if you get hurt there, it can have the long term effects. Um, and the Vikings were probably legitimately concerned about that. And that was probably a very common discussion point in negotiations: was uh, how serious is this neck thing? If you miss the whole season, coming back from that, and the long term effects are are very unclear. Or it seems like could be very bad for a neck injury. And so the right. Vikings wanted to take caution with that. But on the flip side, from Hunter's side, he's clearly one of the premier edge players in the NFL when healthy without a doubt. And so the way it happened was Vikings basically gave him kind of a signing bonus of an extra, I think 5.6 mil this year. Um, and in that, so then next year becomes, I believe it's 20 something mil or 20 mil, maybe 20 million on the dot, where yeah. uh, if, you know, if he performs well this year, he's healthy. There's no more health concerns with his neck. Those are kind of relieved through the 2021 season. 
he can be kept on the roster next year at that number. Uh, so it's great because the Vikings are also kind of, it's, it's anticipation for the salary cap spike, right? That's going to happen. Yep. And so in a way the Vikings are able to, you know, survive this sort of the, the shrink of the salary cap here. And then also they're kind of, you know, they're able to make this kind of move, increase Hunter salary for next year with that added uh, salary cap spike. So I think it works out perfectly for both sides. Vikings retain one of their uh, premier, if not the best player on the roster. Daniel Hunter kind of gets what he needs as well with some, uh, you know, security for his career as well. So I, I love it for both sides. And again, I'm just stoked now that that, you know, that's, that's not something that we as Vikings fans and followers need to worry about anymore. Absolutely. And that's really the sticking point here is that, you know, for our, for our purposes, right. I mean, we don't have to worry about it anymore, at least right. until next season. Uh, the good news here is that this deal uh, by all accounts, you know, you set it up pretty well. You explained a lot of the details here, but I think this is truly one of those deals where it works out for every single party involved right uh, yeah. the vikings were going to have daniel hunter on their roster this season no matter what so converting his salary to a bonus it doesn't hurt you anyway like this guy's not going to get cut so there's no dead money involved there he gets a you know a ton of money up front i believe it's 18 million total is what his cap hit is now uh, so he's going to be getting paid close to his value i still think he's probably worth like in that 20 to 20 yeah he is when healthy when healthy the, the, healthy the injury concerns may bring it down a tad but when healthy right. the guy's a stud obviously. absolutely and so then on the flip side of that what you just mentioned then is that the vikings also kind of have this ability here where they are going to have to pay this guy no matter what he's going to be on the team this year but now they have the option to get out from underneath it assuming something is bad right uh, yeah. we're talking about a neck injury anytime you're talking about a neck injury is dangerous right i mean this is a type of injury that shortened if not ended peyton manning's career uh you know we have seen tons of players in the past despite the advances in medical science and all that um neck injuries can can really change who you are as a player uh, mentally physically a lot of different things so you get to see daniel hunter play 17 football games at least this season get a good read on what type of player he's going to be coming out of this i think a lot of us fully expect that he's going to be you know the superstar defensive end that was ascending uh throughout his early 20s and that will that trend will continue into you know potentially even his early 30s and i think he's going to be you know maybe a viking for life hopefully uh that's kind of the situation that you have here now is that either this guy is going to get paid 20 million dollars next season which again i still think is a little bit low or the Vikings are going to have to give him a new contract or release him. So either way, this guy is going to get what he wants mm -hmm. pretty much because if he doesn't want to sign that $20 million tender next year, and he believes that his value has gone up, like let's say he has a 16 sack season this year and his value goes up exponentially and every team wants him. He can ask the Vikings for more money and the Vikings hands are basically tied. They have to give him a new long-term extension. And all of a sudden we go from talking about how Daniel Hunter screwed himself out of a lot of money by signing a big deal early in his career. That wasn't his value as it stands today. Instead, he signs another big deal before he turns what 27, I think another big deal. And he makes a ton of guaranteed money on this escalated salary cap that you just mentioned. And ultimately the Vikings get their prize player. Daniel Hunter gets paid like a superstar. Nobody thinks he's stupid for signing that big deal when he was, what, 23 or 24? Or that's maybe right. not yeah. as many people think he's stupid because that's a $100 million contract. If you add a $150 million contract to that deal next year, I mean, all of a sudden you basically made over the course of 10 years, you know, $250 million. I don't think anyone's complaining about that. I don't care if you're the best defensive in the, end in the NFL or, you know, a middle tier guy. No one's complaining about that amount of money. So I think this really smoothed over well. And considering yeah. the fact that all of us 
you know, myself included, someone who I like to think is pretty level-headed with this stuff, was very nervous that he would might not ever be. Well, in a I Vikings think. Uniform. I mean, I don't think there was concern that he had you know issues with the organization or anything like that. People I were simply, saying that stuff though. That was out. There. there was it was out there uh, with what he's liking on Instagram and taking Viking right. stuff off his page. I I don't buy a ton of that stuff, but um, it was there was rumors out there. But I think well, honestly, what just happened is he and his agent realized, yeah, we kind of made a mistake here and they were able to leverage that even with the neck injury into kind of a, a better situation for him, um, which kind of speaks to maybe how much of a st- mistake the first deal was, but uh, kudos to them for kind of figuring it out and getting Daniel on a better path, I think for his future here. But um, a- again, in terms of football now, right. I mean, we're talking about this Vikings defense that has, I mean, I right. Everybody's healthy week one, but you get Kendricks back, you get bar back. And now you have Neil Hunter, you know, the contract solution resolved uh, should be good, you know, knock on wood with the health. Um, so you get a bunch of key, key pieces back, um, which is very much reason for optimism for the Vikings. And now we can, you know, discuss a potential, another piece yet added to this Vikings defense on the defensive line, even, which is got me excited because um, you know, that defensive line is already loaded. Uh, you got to talk about Hunter, talk about some of the, both the uh, nose tackles that the Vikings are now added onto the roster with Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson. And then you bring in what the rumor, the scuttlebutt is Sheldon Richardson. Uh, the scuttlebutt. I love that word. The scuttlebutt is Sheldon Richardson. And the Vikings are close to a deal. He was on the Vikings roster in 2018, very effective player. Then I um, uh, probably lost a little bit of luster since, but still, you know, I think a huge upgrade from what the Vikings currently have to offer at three tech. Right. So another kind of facet of this Daniel Hunter move a shift of money, right? Is it frees up some yeah. salary cap, gives the Vikings more options. And it seems like they're going to uh, exploit that option immediately with uh, Sheldon Richardson here. So uh, credit to, I believe it's Jack day. Uh, K fan. Yeah. Yeah, not super familiar, but he was the first one on this. And then it was confirmed by Ian Rappaport, I believe. So this is real. Uh, Sheldon Richardson is negotiating a deal with the Minnesota Vikings. Now, nothing has been confirmed um, in terms of like, has he signed on the dotted line? No one knows the dollar amount or anything of that nature. But uh, in terms of kind of projecting what this does for the Vikings offense, right? Uh, you look at what they did in the offseason and technically what they did last offseason too, because Michael Pearson ended up playing last year, is they brought in two fat guys, right? They brought in two huge nose tackles. We've discussed this in the past, how, you know, you can theoretically use these two guys interchangeably, you know, because they're bigger guys. They're probably going to play between 50 and 60% of the snaps. You might have to rotate them in and out. Uh, you could play them at like a brick wall, like, you know, a la the Pat Williams and Kevin Williams wall of, you know, the early 2000s and mid 2000s. Um, you know, it could be something similar to that. But the question mark there was, is do you have an inside pass rusher? Like, mm-hmm. you know that Michael Pierce can get there sometimes. He's not known for this. Same can be said for Dalvin Tomlinson, probably to, to a lesser extent, uh, is that they can get to the quarterback, but they're not true three techniques. These are cl- true cloggers. Uh, they're zeros and ones. Uh, they're not meant for you know getting after the quarterback. They're meant for eating up blockers. Now you bring in Sheldon Richardson. Uh, does a couple of things for you. And first and foremost, you don't have to worry as much about that three tech spot, which was you know questionable to say the least uh, in terms of who they are going to be ro- rotating in uh, prior to this conversation. Uh, secondly, you get another, you get another guy in there that can rotate around. I just mentioned that these bigger guys are playing about 60% of the snaps. You bring in Sheldon Richardson, a guy that plays between 70 and 80% of the snaps generally between, you know, because of his stature and the way that he's built, uh, differently than these bigger guys. Uh, he's able to be on the field a little bit more and you get to, you get more versatility just inherently. Now you add in the fact that Daniel Hunter is going to be back fully healthy. 
you add in the fact that, you know, you've done some other work with your defensive end position. I don't think that there's a true front runner opposite Daniel Hunter at this point in time. I think it, I really do think anything can happen opposite him at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, but now you have more fixtures, right? You have more confidence. You have guys who have been in the league for some time that have racked up big sack numbers that have racked up, you know, pressures on the quarterback uh, that are, you know, used to taking on double teams in the interior defensive line, or excuse me, offensive line. Like you have a lot of experience just within those two, three spots, which generally the Vikings being a four, three team are going to put two of them in the middle there. That means you got one guy that's going to rotate in, going to be fresh all the time. This is a great thing for a defensive line that lacked a pass rusher. It's also a great thing for a defensive line that probably lacks stamina. Straight up. They're just big people. They're not going to play 100% of the snaps. This is a good thing to overload with the defensive tackle position. It's never the wrong spot. I think over the history of Vikings fandom, for me, I they generally have one really good three technique, one big mammoth guy, Linville Joseph, Pat Williams, etc. And then they have a third guy. You know, I, I'm trying to think of the dude's name. Tom Johnson. Tom Johnson. Thank you. Perfect. Another guy who can come on the field, give you 30, 40 percent of the snaps. He's going to give you great pressure. That might be what Sheldon Richardson is at this point in his career. I think he could be better. He's probably a higher end, high potential, high ceiling player than Tom Johnson was. But that's the type of slot that you could put him in here yeah. and probably get even more than that from him. Which I think it's, you know, I think as a whole, we kind of us underestimated I'm um, undervalued the importance of Tom Johnson to those big you know, Zimmer defenses and you know, 2017, 2018, 2016. Um, but I mean, this is, I, I think three tech was a huge spot they needed to address. A lot of inexperience there. Um, a lot of guys that had played knows that now we're going to be kind of moving to three tech to kind of fill that spot when you have, cause I was curious about this whole, and I don't know if the Vikings even knew what they were doing. I mean, I obviously they did, but when you get in two nose tackles like that, it's just, I wonder what the plan was to get in Tomlinson when you already had Pierce and this kind of uh, answers some questions there um, that they were going to go after. I know there was baby guys that wanted, or there was some, uh, you know, desire for, you know, Atkins or, or some other guys out on the free agency. Right. I like Richardson a lot though, formerly been with the Mike Zimmer defense. Um, I think he's too. got, I think he's got more gas left in the tank than Atkins. So um, I, I like this move a lot. And then I think the next part for me then, with the remaining cap space is uh, figuring out that wide receiver three spot, bringing in one more player at that position. And then I think the Vikings will be pretty set there with, uh, well, what they can do for the, whether for their roster prior to camp. Absolutely. Yeah. This gives you a really solid front seven uh, with even higher potential, keeping in mind, of course, that they have Janarius Robinson. They brought in Patrick Jones. They have two rookies that are going to be on that opposite side of the defensive mm -hmm. line from Hunter. And they're going to have more leeway now, right? Uh, they have guys next to them that will be able to take up blockers. I mean, I don't foresee a situation where Steven Weatherly is double teamed all season long. He's going to get one-on-one, -on -one, which is the type of player that Steven Weatherly is. Let's just be real here. Like, I mean, he's a quality pro, but he needs Ray Edwards type of pass blocking in order to have success. And the Vikings have that now, you know, by bringing in Sheldon Richardson, who's, you know, going to take on that interior guy, take that guy away from the left side of the defensive line. And on top of that, he's also going to give you, you know, more pressure from the interior, which mm -hmm. in theory opens up things for the outside yeah. as well. So, I mean, if you watched, if you watched the game, the Vikings beat the Saints in the playoff game a couple years ago. The way they did that was through pressure on the interior. Was they brought in, like they moved, you know, Odena Bow and Hunter inside, um, or Griffin maybe was inside too. But they basically got through to Breeze through interior pressure. 
Um, it's that's a way to do it, especially against immobile quarterbacks where they don't move very much. And so it looks like the Vikings have at least a better option there with Richardson to make that happen. And I know Zimmer can skew up all kinds of things, uh, but this at least also again allows him for more creativity in that way too, um, where he can attack different quarterbacks and their weaknesses differently here with pass rushing. So I love it. And then the last piece here at cornerback, you know, another piece that another position the Vikings needed to address. Um, and since we've last done a show, the Vikings have further solidified that position, given like letting Mike Hughes go and the Jeff Gladney uncertainty, this was a big move to make. And I love now. So we're talking about Prashad Breeland. Um, Vikings bringing him in. On, it was a very cheap deal. It's almost close to the vet minimum, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really nice to me is the Vikings were able to sign for the well, cap hits for this year, Patrick Peterson, Kenzie Alexander and Breland at, I think a total of like 11 mil, yep. um, which is really, really nice. You have those three guys plus Cameron Dantzler in there uh, that I think that that's that, you know, uh, those four guys at corner, you could do a lot worse than that, uh, which it's, if, if you had told me that was the core four after last season, I would have been very happy with that. Right. The thing about a couple things with Breland, first of all, what Drew said, like literally a fr- like a hair of a center over the league minimum for a veteran free agent, one point oh seven five million dollars for Rashad Breland. Uh, it's like a so hundred thousand more or something like that. It's yeah, not it's, much. It's, it's not much, right? Um, you know, we plenty of the guys in you know the, in the climb in the pocket chat have said this already, but I'll just kind of reiterate it that you know you're getting tremendous value from a guy who has basically outperformed his contract every single year of his entire career. You know, a lower round draft pick a guy that was, you know, extended, smaller deal. And this time around, he basically kind of sloughed off the Vikings and the Vikings initial offer, gave them an initial offer, and he should have. I've, I think he was right to do so, but then he checked out the rest of the market, comes back to the Vikings, and this is the deal that he's got. A um, couple things with that deal, too, is that this is kind of like a play-for-more-money deal. He's going to have the opportunity to get snaps here because, you know, you have Patrick Peterson, you know he's going to be your number one corner uh, just inherently, right? Like, he may not be the best on the roster. He's going to be in your inherent number one corner starting this season. Cameron Dantzler, consistently injured last year. I love the progress that he made throughout the year. Uh, but you have to be concerned about the longevity with this player, given that he's, got, he's built like Xavier Rhodes, and he's getting hurt more than Xavier Rhodes. So it's like a little question there. I think this is a good depth signing in that regard as well, because Breland is known for being able to play both on the outside or in the inside. So that gives you basically, I know that Peterson's not the same guy he used to be. I know that Breland's not a top flight corner, but he's a good player. It gives you two traveling cornerbacks that can literally move all the way across the field in any capacity. They can cover your big guys, your small guys, and they can cover your tight ends. Uh, So that gives you a ton of flexibility in your secondary. Uh, In addition to having this stout defensive line now, you know, you have to think that the amount of time that the quarterback is going to have to throw the football is going to be lower this season, which is just going to inherently improve the Vikings coverage. So there might be some fallacy there with regard to, you know, how much better this secondary is than last year, just because the defensive line has improved significantly as well. That being said, you have this amount of depth. Now you have these many, like this many quality players. I don't think there's any superstars in the secondary yet because I think Peterson has fallen off enough where he's kind of just a good player, quality player. And I think that Dantzler is probably a year, maybe two years away from even being in that conversation, unless something crazy happens. Right. Uh, But now you have Mackenzie Alexander too, who I didn't mention. I didn't even need to mention because he's basically becoming a depth piece and a quality depth piece at that. The guy that we have seen start in Minnesota. We've seen him start in Cincinnati. 
but we know kind of what he is at this point in his career. He basically is a nickel cornerback that can maybe play outside if you really need him to. Now, with Jeff Gladney's situation being in flux, I personally, like, you know, if everything's true with him, I don't want to see him in purple anymore. I don't think most of you guys do either. So it's nice to see the Vikings have the ability to part ways, assuming the stories that have came out with Jeff Gladney are true. They can quite literally, they have, they don't have to think about it anymore. Like outside of the fact that they burned a first round pick on this guy, they don't have to think, you know, we don't have the talent to cut this guy. Well, now you do. Now you do because you have got Breland. You've got four cornerbacks in your roster that can all play and compete at a high level. And then you've got a couple other guys too that you have, you know, I, you know, like Harrison Hand, for example, that guy doesn't look good as a number two corner, but as kind of a flex player, a guy that gives you snaps, like that you need to have, like maybe those 10, 12 snaps a game when can when Dantzler limps off with a hamstring injury for a set of plays. Uh, that's a good player to have in that position. It's not great to have him starting on the field, but as a depth piece, I mean, he knows he knows what he's doing. Uh, he made, he's a ball, you know, he made plays on the ball last season, um, and he's young. So you like to see that at the bottom of your depth chart. Like, I mean, overall, you also brought in Ty Smith too, by the way, who just has basically flown under the radar. Another nice player, not a great player, but another nice one there. And yeah, Chris I, mean, well. I mean, if we've learned anything with cornerback depth, especially after 2020, it's like you can never have like the, the whole saying, right? That we've heard from. The Zimmer camp seems like every year you can never have enough cornerbacks. Yeah. At least that's the mantra he's been living by. And it was and right saw, last year. <laughs> we saw kind of why in 2020 that like he's been sort of living by that. And, you know, the joke about Zimmer always trying to draft cornerbacks, always trying to acquire cornerbacks. Well, you saw what happened. Um, and so it seems like the Vikings have really done a nice job of kind of, I don't want to say recovering the position, but rebuilding it in a way that it could be effective again this year, going out and getting the a ton of experience to Patrick Peterson, uh, and then, of course, Breland as well, and being able to bring these pieces, and then Alexander coming back, and it, it's it's interesting too. You get Alexander back, you Sheldon Richards back. Guys want to come back and play for Mike Zimmer. They go elsewhere and they think Mike Zimmer not a bad guy to play for. Knows what he's talking about. Knows how to coach. That's kind of cool to think about too. So mm-hmm. uh, okay. maybe we, we know the whole story with Anthony Barr going to the Jets and be like, actually, you know what? I'm going to go back to Minnesota. So uh, that's a cool piece to this whole thing too uh, that I'm kind of thinking of. But I will say, Vikings, this this depth chart this roster defensively especially looks so much better um than i really would have thought after you know the end of last season so i'm very pleased with that i'm i'm trying not to get too optimistic because i still think there's depth issues all across the board but if the vikings get some injury luck this year they can make some they make some noise in the nsc i think okay so knowing what we do now i'm going to assume the sheldon richard deal goes through Okay. Yeah. We should, we we should, you know, hammer that down again. As of right now, there's nothing official yet. So that's not in stone yet, but I, let's go ahead for the sake of this. Right. Yeah. My, for my, kind of my, my, I think the most important question and something that we've been asking for the large part of the last two years is concern about, you know, the direction of this organization. Like, is it, is it rebuild? Is it revamp? Is it kind of like, do you know what you're doing? Right. Like we've that's, asked all these questions. I'm, not, I'm number three. I don't know if they know what they're doing. <laughs> okay. So that and, that, and that's, that's my question here is that with these moves, does it seem like the Vikings have a sense of direction now? Like, do, do they seem like they know what they're doing? Like in terms of not just 2021, like into 21, 22, 2023, does it seem like they have an actual direction here yeah. or are they just going all in on the last year of Cousins' deal? Well, it, it seems like they are putting contingency plans in place for after. Like, they're preparing for sort of the rebuild that would take place when they move on from Kirk. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, they have Kellen Mond there. 
that to me shows, well, they're not committed to Kirk after 2021 or after 2022. And all these deals that they're signing, great players that have the potential to be really, really good signings in the short term. And they're not long-term deals. So they're able to get out of there. They're going to have this space long-term. If Peterson, you know, Breland, uh, now you have like Richardson coming in and uh, you know, and then with the Hunter deal renegotiated, these guys, these deals are for only this, this year and then kind of a couple of them into next year. 2022 is kind of an open book right now, which I like. They're not committed to anything too long. Uh, they haven't shown that they're going to re-sign Kirk. The Kellen Mond pick tells me they're not committed to Kirk past next year. Mm-hmm. So I like that. So they're kind of saying these next this year and into next year, this is kind of what we got with Kirk. And unless we're super impressed with this guy, we're going to kind of move on, turn the book or turn the page a little bit. I like that a lot. It's a little bit more of a clear direction than – I guess the previous 12 months with what this team has shown. So um, I like that a little bit more. It's not necessarily what I would do, but I like that there seems to be more of a clear cut plan. Right. So when the Vikings signed Patrick Peterson, right, we were all like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, you're not good enough to sign. Well, I think they've convinced themselves that they can be competitive enough this year when healthy. And I don't know if if that's wrong, but I think now they're the way they set these contracts up, they're all short term. Right. And they can, still have the they have the ability to rebuild almost completely in a couple of years if they need to if Kirk doesn't work out if things kind of fall flat on their on his face and they can still do that which is what I like about this yeah I definitely think the Vikings think they're good I'm not sure if they're yeah. good yet I've got to see minicamp but the Vikings definitely think they're good now when they signed Peterson I thought for sure they were wrong since then they've had a good draft a quality draft where they addressed a lot of the needs that you know I personally wanted and obviously what the franchise needed. Um, and that kind of gave me a better sense of where this team was going. The Kellen Mond pick, like you said, that changes a lot of things just in my mind where it's like, you know, you're not committed to Kirk too far down the line. You've got this guy in place. Then you throw in the fact that the Peterson deal is a, I believe it's a one-year contract, right? You can get out from underneath that one. Um, you just figured out, we just learned today that Daniil Hunter, if the neck is bad and there's a real problem there, you can get, get out, out of that, that yep. one. Um, you know, you look at all these contracts and some of these players that are, you know, in theory holding you back, you could basically get out from underneath all of them. Oh, so that to me is a true direction. It, It's not necessarily, you know, this is a Super Bowl contender for yeah. four or five years. It's more like we think this is a Super Bowl contender in 2021. We're going to find out. And then in 2022, we will make the necessary adjustments. Yeah. Accordingly, we are right? preparing to rebuild if we need to, which I didn't think I saw that in the past couple of years um, when it seemed like at least my hint, you know, it didn't seem like to me, the roster was good enough to put off rebuilding. Right. And at least right. like, at least seems like now they're kind of preparing to do that, which I, I am a big fan of. So how good are the Vikings? I mean, that's the ultimate question here, right? Like that's like, you know, when you have these changes in place, when you start to see progression, right? Like you start seeing the video clips that come out of Justin Jefferson making cool catches in camp and, you know, everyone's having a good time. It seems like team chemistry is up. The young corners are looking good. The new guys are coming in and they're excited to be here and everyone's jacked about the 2021 season. I think to a degree, we're all probably just inherently biased at this point because we're excited for football. Oh, this is everybody, everybody at this time of year, everybody's favorite team is, you know, best, it's, never, right? it's never been better. Never been better. Everybody's going at the minimum 10 and se- well, 10 and seven or 10, 11 and six now. Right. That's everybody's record this year. Ask Jets fans are going to be like, yeah, you know, they could get to 10 and seven, 11 and six. Jaguars fans are going to say the same thing. 
it, it's just the way it is right now. Uh, but it's it's fun too because it's, this is the optimistic part. So much changes year to year that you, you can make a serious case for any team, you know, becoming a playoff contender over year over the year just because injury luck happens. Right. Uh, start you know players emerge into superstardom over a year. Um, other players you know. D- you know, disappear from superstardom. So it happens. And then new coaches, you know, hit the mark right away. Some coaches fail miserably. I mean, it, things change drastically year over year in the NFL, which just makes it so much fun. And uh, that's why we're kind of hitting to that point now with the mini camps and then training camp, and it'll be fun. So to put it fairly, we don't know if the Vikings are good. Right? No. Like we, we have a, an idea I think that I, they I'm might truly, be. and I'm truly, I, I have less idea now than I ever have. <laughs> but that's kind of a good thing, right? They're clouding what we thought was an okay team. Now it's becoming better potentially. Right. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to rephrase this question. This is how we'll close out the show. It's just that have the Vikings done enough now to give you optimism for 2021, not in the future, just for this season. Like, do you yeah. feel like enough has happened, whether it's Rogers not reporting to mandatory minicamp for the first time, whether it's Jared Goff being the quarterback in Detroit instead of Matthew Stafford, whether it's a rookie in Chicago, whether it's these new signings today with Sheldon Richardson coming back, Hunter apparently being fully healthy and happy with his contract. Have they done enough this offseason? It looked like Wyatt Davis looked good, by the way, too, starting in camp. He's getting first-team reps. That looks good. All mm-hmm. these things. Are you excited now? Like, do you have real optimism yeah. oh, that yeah. this team could be good? Now, if I'm throwing a party if Rodgers somehow gets traded. So <laughs> that'll be the next part. Like, that's sort of the next piece of anticipation. Like, I think, right, Hunter today – the official signing was probably the most impactful move the Vikings have made this offseason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. whether it's including tra- signing Peterson or any of the draft picks, I think Hunter was the most impactful one right now. Rodgers would take the cake, though, if if he's traded. Uh, so that would that's kind of the next piece I'm looking forward to, and it's a real shame he hasn't reported yet. <laughs> that's definitely something we will be keeping an eye on. I mean, you're right. Like, it, it, for as funny as it is that it literally doesn't, quote, affect the Vikings organization it really affects the Vikings it really does it really it, does it affects the near the immediate future it affects the future future it affects you know my general perception and happiness I mean like it affects everything and Rogers stay home that's fine with me like that's the Vikings are maybe Jeopardy, a Jeopardy hasn't picked a long-term host yet I don't think so I mean the Vikings might be a 12 and 5 team if Aaron Rodgers stays home because I don't think the guy that they have that they think is going to replace Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback. I don't think Justin Fields is going to be good enough this year to truly contend. I don't think Jared Goff is good, period. <laughs> I, I think the Vikings could win six games in the division, which means that they would just need to win six other games to get to 12 uh, wins. How many, what is that, 11 other games? So, yeah. I mean, if they go six and five team. outside the division and six and two inside the division – I think that's plausible right now. I have real optimism here. I'm excited. But the second that Aaron Rodgers walks back into camp, it's, it's going to go down a little bit. But for the time being, I think this is exciting. I think this is a, yeah. I think this team is capitalizing, which is something that we ask them to do. You know, they went out and they fortified the offense. They got, you know, they 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 got more playmakers there. They've got arguably a top 6, you know, you know, what do they call them like a trips, triplets or whatever, you know, yeah. quarterback, running back and wide receiver. They got a top seven-ish combination there between Jefferson, Thielen, um, Dalvin Cook, and Kirk Cousins on defense now. I mean, there's got real depth at a couple positions that we were very concerned about not just two months ago. Like, this is this team could be good. And I think special teams is going to be the heel again because we haven't talked about them yet. But That's right. We've got a kicker competition, don't we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's something we'll talk about in the near future here. But 
for the time being, we'll leave you guys at that for today. Um, let us know what you think. Do you think the Vikings are good now? Are you excited about this, you know, kind of where they stand as of today? Or did that sense of relief hit you the same way it hit me when you saw that Daniil Hunter tweet from me in Rappaport? If it did, drop us a comment in Daily Norseman. Let us know on Twitter, whatever have you. We like hearing your thoughts. It helps us with the show. Uh, make sure to check us out on Daily Norseman, like I just said. Um, the Climbing the Pocket team has been producing a lot of different content, too. Uh, videos, uh, written articles, all kinds of stuff. So make sure to check out that network and what the rest of the guys on the team are doing. Um, and as for us, we'll be back uh, next week here. Uh, we're starting moving into actually, you know, the fun part of the off season where we're not just trying to come up with random stuff um, to entertain you guys. So we'll have some, you know, actual stuff to discuss. So uh, that's exciting stuff. Uh, we hope you guys are enjoying the show, and uh, we hope that you're glad that we're back here. And uh, we will uh, see you soon. I think so. Anything you got? Any final thoughts that you have here before we close it out? Um, I did have the pleasure of watching some Vikings play hit hit some tee shots. Oh yeah, tell us at about the, that. The Mike Zimmer Golf Classic. I was uh, hosting the long drive competition on the ninth hole at Bear Path, and I uh, watched Harrison Smith take away the title, three hundred forty nine point six yards. <laughs> it's just a bomb. Um, <laughs> he he wiped Adam Thielen off the leaderboard on the very last tee shot of the day. Thielen hit it like three thirty or something, but. Uh, it's funny that there was an absolute wide range of players. Thielen, I think, was clearly the best guy in terms of his uh, playing ability. Patrick Pearson got a good swing. Um, then you got Who's the worst. So BC Johnson, I don't think he's the worst, but he may have had the worst drive because he hit it like a little ground ball to second base. Uh, he's a he's a lefty too, which I'm not. That's nothing wrong with being a lefty, but um, yeah, there's BC wasn't great. Kellen Mond, it might have been his first time playing golf. Um, Jake Browning it had an ugly little slice there too. I mean, I well, Brian O'Neill can rip the ball too. So I'm shocked. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which yeah, big strong dude. But uh, yeah, it was that was fun. It was fun to to watch them all tee off, and um, that was good. But Harrison Smith, long drive of the day, wasn't really close. Just blew everything out of the water. Carried it three twenty five, total yards three fifty. There's your winner. He's a lefty too, by the way. There you go. Little unbelievable podcast exclusive there from Drew. Um, exciting stuff yeah um, yeah so anyways itunes stitcher google play spotify wherever else you listen to your podcast that's where you can find us um until we talk to you guys next uh enjoy your week uh enjoy this kind of rush of vikings optimism uh, and we will talk to you guys soon here's the recording button there it is